him, I was actually trying to get him and his wife back together because he had two little kids and he truly loved, loved his wife so much. And I even went to his ex and said, you know, you got to get together. When I first started doing the work, it was just like, well, you know, don't use words vulnerability and don't use this, you know, because it's kind of sticky. And I just thought, look, we're going to deal with our shit, boys. Like we've got stuff we bring into the table and we need to be real. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate. A dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean, and this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. Every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Alan and Kim. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Alan is the founder of The Awakened Man and host of The Evolving Man podcast, which we were guests on mm -hmm. so you can go and check out his podcast and check out our episode there too as well thank you so much guys for being on our podcast today oh thank you very much for having us and uh, yeah it was a great interview and looking forward to to sharing our story you know what do you think dear <laughs> and what a story it will be <laughs> <laughs> well we are really excited here so before we get into your story why don't you guys tell us how old are you how long have you been together Oh, this is where the numbers might get mixed up, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, 56 years old. Alan is uh, 55. So I am dating. Yes, I'm married to a younger man. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been together since. Well, 2000. No, holds Marcel. Marcel. Yeah. 29. Yeah, yeah. 25, almost 25 years. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. You guys tell us a story about how you met. Well, quite, it was quite interesting. I had just uh, separated from my uh, from my wife. I was a high school sweetheart, and uh, and at the time, yeah, I was just just past my thirtieth birthday, and was in a rough spot transitioning through uh, through life. And and uh, we were work. I had got a job at a at a golf course. I was managing the food and beverage operations for a brand new golf course, and uh, this fine lady was was the office manager taking care of the books and all of that stuff and uh, you know we just start off by hanging out and and uh, doing things there was it was nice it was comfortable to be able to just get to know somebody and not feel uh, a lot of pressure at least that's how i felt and about for you well i was with, with him i was actually trying to get him and his wife back together because i was devastated because he had two little kids like five and three were his boys at the time and I, he truly loved loved his wife so much and i even went to his ex and said you know you got to get together and i i never thought of him as definitely not marriage material because he was, <laughs> he was quite he was quite damaged so <laughs> but you know we we had a friendship for a while and then it just kind of blossomed you know to being in a relationship but i think we realized that we needed to to get some you know, counseling right away because we both had, um, uh, what do you call it? Baggage basically to figure this out. And I thought if we were going to be together, we better try and see what can work. So. So that's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so you were trying to get him to get back with his, his ex. So yep. you, you obviously knew his, his ex-wife. No, I actually didn't have a oh. clue who she was. I okay. actually had called her up and I said, you know, you don't know who I am. I'm just a friend. That's all I am. There was no, you know, 
no intimacy with us at the time or anything like that. I said, you know, I really think you should get back with your, with your husband because he's just devastated, you know, think of the kids and, you know, all this and that, but uh, she had gone on with somebody else. So, and that was her thing. So, so she had left Alan for somebody else. So that was, she was all happy, you know, and giddy and all that stuff. So. <laughs> How did you guys transition from being friends to dating? Kim just started leaving more and more stuff at my apartment, actually, it's what happened. And so, uh, no, in all seriousness, I, you know, I think it just became natural. We were just, Hey, you want to go to a movie? And, and, uh, at the time my, with my separation, I had spent, you know, my, when I say high school sweetheart, I literally mean it. We were 15, 16 years old, you know, as a couple, right. Not knowing anything about life whatsoever. And so when my, when my marriage split at 30, you know, it was like, okay, I got to find, figure out what's going on. And I was completely devastated. Like there were many days that I wasn't sure I was going to make it. And, uh, you know, kudos to Kim about pushing and challenging me. Like, listen, I can't even consider being in a relationship with you if you're not going to go do some work. And, uh, and, uh, so we just started, you know, go to a movie, uh, Kim's a great bowler, 10 pin bowler. So we went 10 pin bowling, just doing friend stuff and just hanging out. So there's no pressure about, about any, uh, anything for, in, for intimacy. And then, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I get, I get latched on to, I don't have a lot of friends. I think it's pretty typical for guys. I don't have a lot of friends, but my friends that I do have are really close and we just got really, really close. I just felt, uh, you know, that Kimmy, Kimmy was friend first before it was anything, anything more of after. Right. How long were you guys working together? It was just, a year? Yeah, a yeah. year, year and a half. I moved yep. on from that role and took on uh, I took on a different position at another organization. And and Kimmy moved on actually in that at the end of the first golf season to do some uh, work at another organization as well. But we just kept in touch. So we just had you know golf seasons five, four, four and a half months up here. Pretty probably pretty similar for your neck of the woods <laughs> as well, right? Not a big season, right? And uh, yeah, so it was maybe maybe half a year that we worked together. Yeah. Uh, who had feelings for the other person first? <laughs> Jeez. You admit, I, come on, admit it. I'll say Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say for sure. I, I was definitely, uh, I definitely felt the attraction for Kim right off the hop. Uh, and I was grateful that she was a little bit more, uh, hold on. But uh, I would say I was probably ready for that next step far sooner than Kim was. And, you know, rightfully so. <laughs> That's interesting. Cause we did an, an episode on men, women can't really be friends. Cause if you make enough deposits, it, it flips, you know, you, you form a bond and uh, <laughs> we always get challenged with that one, but it, here's living proof again. <laughs> Well, I, I think of you, you know, all the things you ever read, you know, you marry your best friend and, and that's basically what it is. Like I can support Al. Al and I have gone through a lot of crap and, um, but I, he's my rock. I have no problem, you know, and he gives me, I'm a, I'm a, I love my freedom and I like to do different things and I'm the party planner. I'm the person and he's never, ever said no to me in terms of, oh, hey, like this weekend, oh, we got people coming over. Yeah, okay, fine. Like he, I'm the one that plans it and he's never said, no, we can't do that. And, and if it is, it's just, well, I got to do this. Oh, it's like, okay, I didn't look at my calendar to realize that he's got this and this. So he's always given me freedom to do whatever I want. I love to golf. I golf quite a bit in the summertime. He, basically, he's a golf uh, widow. It's usually the other way around. <laughs> and then gardening and stuff like that. So, yeah. You know, what's interesting is that uh, Gene and I worked together, too, in um, it was a community mental health center. And that's where we met uh, before we started dating. And we're actually six years apart. I'm six years younger than she is, too. So there's some similarities <laughs> here. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, was age ever an issue? She's just one year older. I'm only one. Oh, yeah, one year. Only one oh, OK. Year. OK. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we got you beat. What was it about the other person that you fell in love with? Go ahead. 
Uh, I remember the first time I met him before I got my job and it's the, um, <laughs> it was his eyes. I'm a person attracted to people's eyes. And I very, it was very, it was like one of those movie things or whatever, where you look at a person's eyes and it was like, Oh, you know, and I'm, that was like, mm, I can't get into that kind of stuff, but yeah, it was his eyes. And then he's very funny. Like he's, uh, always, uh, he's a bit of a smart ass and uh, <laughs> always practical joker and stuff like that. So, yeah. So that was one of the things that attracted me to, and he has a passion. He has whatever he does. He does with a passion because he, when I got to meet him, he was a chef as well. So he was a chef mm. at the place and uh, my sister ended up having her wedding there and he did everything to make sure that wedding was just amazingly good. And it was good. I have to tell you a really quick story. My dad loves hot soup, like really hot soup. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could explain the rest on that one. Well, the whole family likes their food piping hot, so <laughs> hot so that if it leaves a blister in the roof of your mouth, then it tastes good. And so uh, I told uh, I told Kim, I was going to make sure her dad had the best hot soup. So I put the soup bowls in the oven for about five minutes. So literally when I went oh. to pour the soup into the bowls, it was boiling, like bubbling out. And uh, her dad's name is Bob. And Bob came to me after he goes, Al, oh, that was the best soup I've ever had. I don't know how he tasted it, but he said it was the best soup he ever had. So I knew I was in good. Now I, yeah. I pleased the father-in-law. That's good. So I'm, uh, I'm in on the good books. Yeah. <laughs> so not, not necessarily spicy. It has to be oh. like temperature hot. Temperature yeah, hot. Yeah, temperature hot. It had to be really hot. <laughs> so how does the engagement story go? Oh. Well, you know what? <laughs> I bet, you know, we, we, uh, we lived in sin, I'll say, for many years and uh and cohabitated together and we had lots of fun i don't think there was really any pressure like kim never had an, any pressure on wanting to get married and uh and so after i'd say maybe within that first year like we really started hanging out together and doing things and then it just became more couple things it was one of those uh we really didn't there wasn't really a long courtship this you know i would suggest because mm -hmm. we just fell into it there was a lot of synergy within our mm. within our two people right us as a couple and so i thought i think that just kind of led into it and then you know after spending time together we just found that well why are we you know spending money on rent in two places and and all of that and started to to do stuff and we were going to counsel believe it or not we were going yeah. to counseling together right out of the gate mm. um to because uh, i had so much baggage to work through and i was completely devastated and i would say that up until maybe five years ago, I would still live by, I still live by the mantra that I will not give my heart hundred percent to anyone ever again, because of how damaged I was before. And, and I realized after, uh, you know, some, some of the stuff that we went, that we went through was, you know, I just can't do that. Like I have to, I got to be all in or not. Hmm. And uh, I'd rather be all in. Was there anything that happened that made you change your mind? Yeah, we had, uh, you know, had uh, an affair in the, in the relationship and it just about, you know, totally destroyed Kim and pivoted to the woman that uh, I truly fell in love with was her independence and her freedom. And, and uh, Kimmy's always been like, she's so much <laughs> the opposite of my ex-wife and that Kimmy would, has no problem telling me that that shirt doesn't look very good on you. And, uh, you know, or, and if she wasn't, didn't like something, come out and tell me. And I appreciated that to an extent, but I also allowed it to a point where I stopped standing up for myself. And so I kind of developed this codependent relationship with, with Kim and I just wouldn't stand up for who I was. So I didn't learn how to do any boundaries. It just didn't, whatever, whatever I would, I'm a servitude type of guy. Like everything I do is in, in service of others. And uh, so I lost myself. And because I didn't know how to be in the relationship, uh, you know, I did, I did something that uh, really hurt our, our marriage. And, you know, Kimmy says that I'm the rock, but really she's the rock. Cause I, we wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast with you today. Had she not had the foresight to be able to stick it out and, and allow me to do the work and allow us to do some healing to, to get to this place. 
Kim, can you talk about that? Like, how did you get beyond that? Um, <laughs> how does any woman get beyond it? it it's so secretive. It's, it's, um, it's a tough, tough, tough road to get through. I, um, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, and you feel so alone because you don't know who to tell. You don't know what to tell. You don't know if you're going to stay with him. You don't know, you know, and Al actually, he went back to the girl, the woman after, what is it? Six months. Mm -hmm. And I was just sick. Like I was, I, you know, but I had to trust that, you know, I knew he was good. I also have to take responsibility for some of that stuff myself. So I, I knew that I had to be responsible. I'm not the most, I'm not the most caring and loving, have loving, touchy person. I am, like he says, I am very, very independent. And um, that's a very strong fault. So I've been learning myself to try and be more, um, uh, what would you say, uh, compassionate and caring and, and appreciative. Like I said, I appreciate everything that he does. We did a lot of counseling. Um, and I saw the changes in him. It, it hurt me because what his ex-wife did to him, and that's what I had the hardest thing believing what his ex-wife did to him by cheating on him. Um, he did to me. And I remember when we were in our relationship with, when we were counseling, he swore to God, he would never do that to anybody. He would never do that. He would never do that. And I think that the trust was really, really, really hard. And to this day, there are some times when something happens and it triggers and, mm -hmm. but I'll be, I'll be the first one to say to Al, you know what, I'm having a trigger moment right now. Can you, you know, explain to me or, or, and he's never said, Oh, you're stupid. Or, you know, you're imagining he's never, ever said that. I think if he ever did say that, then I, that, then I'd, I'd go back to going, this is, you know, you're lying to me again. Like mm -hmm. I, so he's always been very open and honest. Like if he, especially if he's texting lots or whatever, I, and I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that um, is always wondering. I have to, I have to let go and, and trust. And I just have to believe and have a faith that if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And if it's not meant to be, then, you know, I gave it my best and I did our best. And, you know, I, I think if something ever happened to us, it wouldn't be that we hated each other. It would be just, well, you know what, it's time. And we gave each other what we could give kind of thing. Right. So, you know, I, I imagine that's something that, you know, you have to do on a daily basis, really. It's just, you know, kind of recommit and renew and kind of keep working together every single day, right? Working on that trust. Because as you said, those triggers, they can happen at any time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, you know, and as the, you know, as the the cheater in the, in the arrangement here, um, it is my responsibility to take ownership for what happened. I can never give that away uh, because it's, there were other, there are other choices to make. Right. I could have spoken to Kim. I could have grown a pair and told her where I was at with stuff. And so there were other things to do. So every time Kim gets triggered, you know, I do my best to acknowledge it and apologize for it. Cause I know it can, it's there. It, it will never, I don't believe, I personally don't believe it'll ever totally disappear and not, nor should it. I think it's, it's part of, you know, we, as, as, as we grow up, we have scars and it's part of who we are. As long as the focus isn't on that scar and making it be the focal point of the relationship, which it isn't, No. but we acknowledge that it's there. And every once in a while, you're going to bang that scar. Something's going to happen and it's going to bleed a little. And I'd have to be present. You know, that's how I look at it. I need, to, how do I, you know, practice holding space for Kim to just be there not make an excuse or try to figure the stuff out. It's not, I don't see that as my role as that piece is just try to be present for her and let her work through the pain. And, uh, you know, and then we try to talk about it. We're not great conversationalists. They'll tell you that right now, but, uh, you know, it's, it's still things that I think we're conscious enough to, to notice when the other person needs that support. Now you mentioned that right off the bat, you guys went into counseling, um, and Kim, you had said that it's because both of you brought a lot of baggage into the relationship. And, and so, Kim, what what baggage did you bring into the relationship? I come from um, alcoholic mother. 
So she wasn't present there for a lot. And same with my dad, who wasn't around, like loving, showing love. Um, so I am a person that uh, is really hard to um, let love in because I had to, well, it's basically the alcoholism. I had to learn how to become a more loving person. And I still work on that. Um, and that's where the independence was because I, mm -hmm. my mom was never, she wasn't around really when I was a kid. So being a kid, I had to be the little growing up. I couldn't show emotions. I couldn't be, have fun. I just couldn't do the things that a normal little girl gets to do. So I baggaged all that and kept it inside. And then I knew I, I've, I've been in counseling forever, basically to try and figure this out. And I think I'm getting better. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't want the baggage of, and I knew with how much he loved his, his ex that I thought, Oh, if this is going to work, we have to do some form of counseling because, um, you know, there were lots of times that we, we, in our fights, I'd say, I'm not Carrie, like, because he was, unfortunately, because of who I am, I worked in a very male dominant field in my, all my other previous jobs. I worked at golf courses in the golf, uh, Mm -hmm. in the pro shop I worked at an audiovisual company which definitely is male dominated so I had more male friends than I did females and I used to say to them well I didn't you know every one of them because they're my a guy friend like I had a lot of male friends and it was hard for him to trust me on that so yeah so we had to get through that have you gotten to a point where your hormones became a factor in terms of making you more sensitive and allowing some of that stuff to come up and talking at a deeper level with each other? Well, I'm going through the change right now. So we're having some major mm -hmm. issues right yeah. now with other things that just not feeling it right now. Like it's, you know, and I'm not into taking pills. So I'm trying to be more natural approach to that. Um, you know, and just, uh, we have a, a strong faith in, in stuff too. So we do do a lot of spiritual stuff and listen to things and try to be positive and yeah. So one of the, one of the products that is, is sponsors our podcast is a CBD THC lubricant for women. Oh. And it's very helpful. We'll send you a sample of that. Oh yeah. And we, we did interview the woman who created it and it's, it's very helpful, especially, you know, when you're, when you're in those hormonal things, your brain just doesn't, doesn't settle. Right. And so there's one that she has that is one is to balance your endocrine system. And the other one is to balance like yeast infection, like floral kind of yep. stuff. And it really is nice. It really helps you feel that calmness mm. so that you can feel like you want to have, you know, some intimate yeah. time yeah. <laughs> and there's yeah. not much stuff out there for women. So we'll send you a sample of that. Oh, that would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big part of mm -hmm. a huge shift for us. Yeah. And it's a lot of hard work when you're in the middle of it, but we're kind of at the tail end of it. And it's, it's, it's done an incredible thing in our relationship to really merge us together. And it's, mm -hmm. it, the, the work is worth it. It's really wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, how we, many years did you go through this i'm like i'm right? just starting right now and i'm like oh i hear horror stories yeah um like 51 <laughs> to 54 was probably maybe mm. 53 was probably the hardest a nightmare <laughs> and then i found the, i i also didn't you know want to take any hormonal stuff and yep. i found this supplement that really helped um it helped with the thinking and all the yeah. the stuff and i always explained it as it's like everything that you experienced in puberty is coming up for healing in your reverse puberty yeah and what do you you always say that that the guy is the sum total well yeah, yeah. The, guy, the guy is the sum total of all the pain that she has experienced in her life <laughs> you know it, it's like you feel like you are paying the bill you know, for every hurt that a man has caused, you know, in her life. And I mean, including your own, the own, your own hurt that you've caused as well. And, and it is true. And we found that couples that are kind of in this, this stage of their relationship is kind of a, um, a forging 
mm-hmm. right? And it's it's really about getting all that impurities, you know, out of the relationship, impurities that came into the relationship from the past, and impurities that were you know produced during the relationship, yeah. you know. And now it's this not only hormonal, but it's this emotional, mental, you know, <laughs> spiritual kind of forging that is happening, right? Yeah, there's not a lot of people talking about it and there's all an awful lot of people miserable with it. You know, we created a home study course just to kind of map out that journey and a lot of great things came out of it, but I always felt like it was like, you know, morphing into the Hulk. You know, you're just <laughs> And then and then you come back and you're like, "Oh, why did my clothes mm-hmm. not fit?" <laughs> you know, like the Hulk Solonist or the what's the other guy's name? Banner. Bruce Banner. Banner. When he gets back to being Banner, he's like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then and then COVID hasn't helped too, because now you're like, I'm seeing him every freaking day. Like, <laughs> seriously, I'm independent. And now it's like, oh, just, you know, go home, go to work one day, please, if you can, because I need my space. And in the wintertime, it's even worse. So I, I go down, I go down in the basement and, uh, yeah. do my crafts and painting and stuff like that and he stays up here and but yeah we get together at nine o'clock that's our okay shut down time mm-hmm. <laughs> watch some tv well yeah. it, you know it's not a surprise that couples who are with each other for a very long time and they get to this forging place they either forge through it and they they create a stronger bond or they go their separate ways mm-hmm. you know yeah. they don't do the work and yeah, I mean, that's where we see couples where their kids are now in college, they're empty nesters, and then, you know, they get a divorce Yeah, you know, it's because they're not going to, they're not doing that work. And many times, you know, their entire lives have been filled with distractions mm-hmm. where they're focused on the kids and they're focused on, you know, work and career and paying the bills and everything. And then now it's just the two of them. And so when you mentioned COVID, COVID has really kind of incubated a lot of couples and it brings a lot of those issues to the surface and either couples are working through it or they're not. Yeah. How was it with the kids integrating that and becoming a family? Well, because we had, you know, Al had the the boys and so we didn't, because of him being a chef in his younger years when we were going together, we didn't get the kids a lot because he was always working every holiday, every weekend. So we got them very sporadically. And, um, you know, there were two boys and I used to say to him, I'm like, Oh my God, why couldn't you have had girls? Cause they come and were just a ball of energy. I was exhausted after the weekend, but you know, as I get older, I'm like, Oh, thank God you had boys. Cause I don't think I could deal with the drama of having girls. <laughs> so it, it worked out for us. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That was one thing. If I would, uh, t- could turn back the clock, I would have been to spend, to find that time to spend more yeah. time with my boys. Um, we were about uh, once a month, see them for the yeah. weekend through most of, uh, most of our time together. And, uh, and so, you know, you can't take back time obviously. So it's kind of, uh, you know, I'm at that age where now cats in the cradle, uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Right. And, uh, and so, and I see my youngest son doing similar things that I did, right. Hardly, hardly calls and see us. We live in the same city. My parents uh, live in, uh, in another province, uh, eight hours away from us. So, you know, there's still the phone call, but you know, we're, we're just not that my family's never been that cl- close and connected. And I don't necessarily think that, well, I think your family was fairly close as your, your two sisters, you and your sister always hung out. Her parents always took them together. I'm the oldest of five. Um, but we didn't really connect and bond as a family until we moved back into the city and we were three blocks away from her dad. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and so he was always here all the time. And, you know, I got back into the things that I was a kid, you know, the Sunday dinner with grandma and grandpa, but it was with her dad, right? Bobby, yeah. you want to come over for something to eat? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. No, I don't even know why I'm making the call. Just show up here at six o'clock, you know, when it's on. Uh, but he liked that invite. He liked to be welcome to us, right? And, and it really, uh, we, we really grew close together. But with my kids, we just never... They just weren't that large a part of it. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's embarrassing to say, but it's the truth, right? That's just the way we chose to, 
Mm-hmm. I was choosing my career and the decisions I was making at the time. But at that time, though, we, you know, you have to take credit that at the time, though, his wife ended up making him, well, not making him, but he had a claim bankruptcy. So he had, he had lost his house. He had lost his car. He had lost everything. And then now he had to work to, to gain it all back. So, um, you know, that was what his goal was to, he's always been driven to work. I hate to say it, maybe he's probably a bit of a, a workaholic, but yeah, when he lost everything, he had to, he didn't ha- unfortunately have time for the kids. And then the guy that she was with, um, like, here's a funny story and people are going to laugh at this. So the guy's name is Pete that his ex-wife, I'm not going to say her name, his ex-wife, um, ended up leaving Al for how many years later? 10? Maybe 10, 11. 10 years later. And, you know, we were always going to the hockey games for the kids and meeting this guy, Pete, and we're being cordial for the kids, right? We don't want them to see a bad thing or whatever. 10 years later, Pete comes knocking on our door and tells us that Carrie did the same thing to him. So Al... (laughs) As amazing as he is, it was even more amazing that he didn't say to him, like, well, now you know what it feels <laughs> like. So it was, and Pete is an amazing guy. We, we, uh, they come over, him and his girlfriend come over now. So it's just the weirdest thing that, <laughs> you know, like I said to my stepson, I said, do you ever tell that story that, you know, your stepson and your, your father were, you know, cause Al chased him. <laughs> We don't need to get into that. Jason down the street, but whatever. Those were those were dark days. (laughs) Those were really dark days. But it's just weird how people come into your life and then now Pete's a you know a good friend of ours, really. But you know what? Really, the 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 thing about that whole dynamic is that even though I couldn't be there, Pete was a good to take care of my boys and and raise them. Like Pete was the best thing for those two boys. Yeah. Like he gave the, the he gave them the stable home. He, like he was so good with those kids. And, yeah. uh, and so that's why, you know, when, you know, when stuff happened, like I just felt for the guy, like I was more concerned what's going to happen to the two boys. I knew mm. Pete was going to handle it. Like he was going to be okay. He's an older guy. So he'll, he'll, he'll live, but he had grown so attached to those kids and that whole piece. And I think as, you know, as we get older and, and life happens, we learn to figure out, you know, what's truly important. And like in the end, as long as the boys are looked after, that's uh, that's all that I really cared about. Yep. Those are such complex dynamics, you know, to work from. You know, when we met, Jean was a single mom. And so, you know, when we got married, I was like an instant stepdad there. And, you know, it's it's really interesting. We don't call it a blended family. We call it a stretched family. Mm. Right. Because like Pete you know, it's kind of, he's, he's not really family, but he's, it's a stretch family because he's still part of the whole family system. Yeah. You know? And so we've, we've grown quite a stretched family over mm-hmm. the years. That's for sure. Yeah. When, when our son got married, it was like his dad's family, his, our family, your family, mm-hmm. and then his wife's parents are divorced. So both of their families, like five major families at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's almost the norm now, right? Like yeah. the family circle is yeah. just like, that's a great term stretched. It's just not like it, like it was in the fifties and sixties, right? It's just a multitude of pieces. And I think, you know, if we're focused right on the right. kids and being there for them, yeah. we can put other stuff aside. Yeah. The blended family is the leading family structure in the world right now Uh, apparently not surprised yeah and we've podcasted both um our son's grandparents and uh, aunt and uncle so they not his dad his dad (laughs) not so healthy but the rest of them you know and it's and his grandfather just passed and they were in florida and we flew down there you know to visit with her and Mm -hmm. um you know, it's, it's kind of a cool thing as long as all those emotions start to settle down and you, you know, mature a little bit and then why not, why not be inclusive? Yeah. Yeah. So Kim, how was that being a a stepmom and then also having to kind of navigate the affair and just kind of balance all of that together? Well, the affair didn't really happen until later on in our marriage. So, so being a stepmom, it didn't intertwine at all 
Um, like it didn't really have any relevance at all because mm -hmm. the boys were already, you know, late in their mid teens, early twenties, basically. Right. And then, yeah, our, the fair didn't happen. The kids yeah. never, we never told the kids at all to this day. They don't know that it happened um, because they weren't over enough to know that. So mm -hmm. uh, the thing that is so devastating is that there's not really a lot of stuff out there for women and that if they want to keep the relationship together there's such a stigmatism that oh if your husband cheats that's it you're done you, sh you should you're done you should kick him out you know that's all it is is like it's like a disposable relationship mm -hmm. um you know my parents um my dad had affairs on my mom i know that for a fact but my dad loved my mom to the 10th degree and he would never ever leave her I don't know if my mom ever knew she probably did but you know there was just there was a mutual respect there um and that you know it was a good life for both of them um you know maybe I think I married my father <laughs> you know because Al is just like my dad doesn't say too many words and stuff like that so he likes yeah. hot soup no, he doesn't like he's too many years in the hospitality business. My by the time I get to eat, it's cold. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you get used to lukewarm food. Yeah. It's like coffee down in South America. They ship out all the good stuff and the coffee in South America is not that good. So that's really interesting. And I think that is a really important part, you know, people understand when things break up because of this stuff, but a lot of people would like to stay together. And we, we deal with this with a lot of our couples. Mm -hmm. I mean, the more majority of them have, ha, are not dealing with an affair, but plenty of them are. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they always say that, you know, I, I, I like my home. I like our lifestyle. I like our family. I can't, it's, I'm losing a lot. I, I would be in a different financial bracket everything and and there's a lot of reasons to hang on and i and i think it's a little different when it's the guy that cheats than the woman women are typically already done and looking for that emotional connection where guys are looking for don't reject me but i love my wife <laughs> kind of stuff mm -hmm. yeah so I, it's, 100%. yeah has it has the affair uh have you found some benefits to your relationship from growing through going something like that? I know for me, the benefit is, is that I'm far more um, open with Kim. If something's bothering me now, I'll, I'll tell her not as quickly as I probably should. I still need a, a day or two, maybe a little longer to figure out how I want to approach it. Um, but I have the, the confidence today to step up because I know what it ends up by doing, um, for me, uh, for me personally, and then, and then ultimately to the relationship. Uh, so I know that's, that whole part of it has really helped me, uh, helped me be more present mm -hmm. and, uh, and not be a doormat because I don't blame Kim for that. I trained, I trained our relationship to be that way. I said, Kimmy, this is how you, this is how you, you play with me. Right. You tell me whatever you want, say whatever you want. And, and I don't, and I, and I might challenge it once, but then I'll back off because my favorite line used to be, well, what's it going to mean in a year from now that, or is this the hill I'm going to die on? Well, that ends yeah. up by being a cop out. That's okay. You know, if you're truly going to, you know, use it in its proper contents context, but I was using it as a cop out. Mm -hmm. Ah, now I don't have to deal with the, with the tension. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we, We've never really argued. I wouldn't say that we have down out uh, arguments, uh, but we definitely have. We definitely uh, argue more than we ha ever have, right? Like, well, I will because I will stand up and say, uh, "You're offside." Like, I forget that's not right. <laughs> and uh, and then you know we have our little uh, get together and and then uh, and but at least it's out in the open, so. We, it's still something we got to work on for yeah. sure. It's still, yeah, learning to do different things. And, you know, it's not, uh, it's not easy. It's you, it's a constantly working. And I think for me, it was being more, uh, more 
compassionate and more caring. And I'm still working on that. Like I still, I get, I'm very, very independent, which really drives me crazy sometimes that because I will do everything on my own, but you know, Al tries to help me as much. We did the five love, love languages. So it's like, it's pretty funny what he wants and what I want are like totally off at the ends of the different scales. So I have to try and remember, Oh yeah, he needs his hugging. He needs to be kissed. He needs to be held. And I'm like, totally. That's like right at the bottom, especially now we're going through menopause. It's like, <laughs> don't touch me. <laughs> it's just, too hot and i just don't feel like it right now but i don't feel attractive yeah i don't feel stuff. attracted nothing fits yada 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 so yeah especially if you didn't get a lot of affection as a kid no i don't know how it was in canada but when 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 i turned um in my teenage years everyone started having this bumper sticker that said have you hugged your kid today like it was this big movement. It was so weird. And all of a sudden you're like 16 and your mom's trying to hug you and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and it took me a long time to, to really be affectionate. Like for me, it was like the only touch was sexual. So it was like, that was always weird. And until I was about 40, I would say <laughs> it took me a long time, but now I'm much more comfortable with those kind of things. And, and uh, there's a lot of healing benefits to it. So I'm aware of that now. Well, and as a guy, we had to, you know, my, my, my family was like Kim's as well. We were very, uh, we weren't very affectionate to the, to the day my father died. I don't, he never said he loved us. We just knew it though. Right. You just knew it's just, but that was his way. And same thing with my mom. My mom has yet to, to say that like when you're holding the grandson, Oh, I love you and all that. But when you get older and you can have it actually have a, a conversation, that kind of stuff just didn't happen. But my ex-wife's family was all about that. Right. Like I can remember going there, you know, in high school, 18, you know, 18 and all the kids, she's the oldest as well. All the kids kissing mom and dad before going to bed, you know, and we moved away and we'd come back and visit and like they're eight, 17, 18, 19. That was just normal. So that part of our relationship always had lots of, lots of physicalness to it. Right. Um, and so coming uh, when Kim and I got together, there was less of that, a lot less of it. And so it was part of uh, my makeup, but I had, I have to learn and I still work on it. need to learn that when it's physicalness, it doesn't need to lead to the next step. Okay. Stay on first base out. Can you stay? <laughs> it's just, a, it's a single today. It doesn't, you know, uh, because the whole runs here <laughs> because, you know, as for me anyways, because of how I'm, uh, how I'm built it, you know, I'm at this stage. Yeah. I'm ready to go almost all the time, but that's not, that doesn't grow any intimacy in our relationship if I'm not willing to meet Kimmy where she's at. And so it's, uh, it's still, it's something that we, we definitely work through for sure. Yeah. That's a really big problem. And one of the things that we help that that's been helpful for us to teach people is uh, to have a sex free zone because your brain never settles down. Kim, you're always like, Oh, he's coming at me. <laughs> You know, how long is this going to last before it turns into he tries more? So you, you can't really appreciate the affection. And what it's supposed to do is release the oxytocin and make you feel safe and bonded and lower anxiety. But when someone's coming at you, you're like, ah, you know, and so it's important <laughs> to know that. I, like, Were you in our house this morning? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, you know, when somebody wants to get like my cat wants to get kissed or something like that. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah so they have that clear language of this is just you know and those are really important things that affection it does so much so much good for us i just never realized that menopause affected me that much and i'm so glad that uh gene you're, you're saying that because uh i'm thinking i'm losing my mind sometimes because it's like yeah. oh and it's just never ending thoughts and and memory loss and it's it's like, I'm going crazy. Like I'm, I'm going to send you a little video by uh, Christian Northrup. She wrote a book on menopause. Yes, I and, got her book. Yeah. And she's actually the one that, that uh, created those supplements. Oh, okay. And she would call menopause birthing your soul. Mm. Mm. And I remember, you know, and, and a lot of people probably don't talk about, it, but the thinking, the thinking is it's invasive thinking. It's really 
not pleasant to go through. It's dark. Too. Yeah, it's very dark. And then I remember one day hearing another voice and I was like, oh, that one's my truth again. <laughs> like I could finally hear something that sounded like wisdom and not just the bombardment of, you know, all the crappy thinking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a lot it's, of crappy thinking. And that's yeah, real. Yeah. And you know, men, we go through our own menopause as well. You See, know. we have the menopause. We have to get over all the men. They only have to get over the one yes. man our, ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get over ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that uh forging that I was talking about earlier, that's it, it's kind of like going through a, another puberty, right? There's this uh, mm -hmm. shift that has to happen. And we have found that, you know, there are a lot of things that we are doing now that we never did before. And there are things we we're doing before, you know, that we have cut out of our lives. Right. And so it's like this bombardment of, you know, everything in the world has, and I mean, the world is over sexualized right now as it is, oh. and just continues to get worse. And, and over violent. And everything that's shocking. It's all shocking. Right. I don't want to feel shocked all the time. No. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, as a young man, I enjoyed those action movies, you know, with all the, the violence and, and everything. Yeah. And I cannot tolerate them anymore. Yeah. You know, and so there's like this this shift and this phasing out that we have had to do. You know, that's important because then what it does is it really intensifies the time that we spend together, the energy that we put into our relationship. Right. Because I think that that's really what's necessary for, you know, these generations now, you know, past generations, they lived very separate lives. You know, mm. you know, it, traditionally, the man went to work, you know, he made uh, the bread, came back home and, you know, she was the homemaker, took care of the kids. But even in the home, they lived very separate lives. Right. And, and now what's really necessary are for you know, spouses and for couples to really get into that emotional depth with each other, you know, that, that vulnerability. And in order to get there, we have to heal a lot of past wounds that we brought into the relationship. And we are designed to heal. Yeah. It's just, we don't really know how to do that on the emotional level. Like you can't make your physical body not heal. It just does. Right. Yeah. But the emotional, it, it needs an event. It needs, it needs emotional first aid. And that'll generate a healing process. And that part of our brain has no relationship to time. So stuff just sits there from four years old, 15, 22, you know, until, until you bump into it because you can't be close to another person and have that in the way. Yeah. Cause you, when you call it baggage, right? It's in the bag. Yeah. If it's in the bag, <laughs> it's in between you. It's not, it's, it's there, you know, it's still there. Yeah. yeah. Now, Alan, did this, um, did the affair and kind of recovery from that prompt you to start the Awakened Man? Uh, for sure. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was definitely something that, and uh, not long after that, Kim's father passing away. But uh, my, um, when my first marriage split up, you know, I got into, uh, you know, really started to get into the, the self-help book. So whatever the latest self-help book was, I, I, devoured it and and read and read and read and wanted to you know figure out how i could do better in relationships and and so and so i did that and then when the affair came along uh, and and occurred i just went back to the same thing and so i was reading everything you know winning your wife back right uh, the good fight uh like you name the book i i bought it <laughs> and uh, and i worked at it boundaries. and you know tr you know yeah said you know yeah boundaries and and, you know, under the you know sheet music, all the all those ones, anything I could figure out to go. Well, if we're going to make this, if I'm going to make this work with with Kimmy, I have to start to understand how I got to that point and what can I do differently. And then it, and then when I was looking for somewhere to you know to go talk about about this, why well, we could go to marriage counseling. But generally speaking, and I said to Kim at that time, I'm not going to freaking counseling because I already my experience with my ex-wife was it's going to be, first off, it's going to be female. That's what I'm going to sit across and it's going to be, I'm going to get the, I, whether it was intended or not, I'm going to feel like she, that the therapist isn't going to listen to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I just thought I can do my own work. I don't need that. 
Uh, and so I didn't, I didn't go. I said, <laughs> I remember telling you, I'm not freaking going. And I don't know if Kimmy was necessarily happy with that, but I, you trusted me enough to allow me to, to do my research and do the work. And, and when I f- recognized that there wasn't anywhere for me to go, and I, and I called my two best buddies at the time. And, you know, I think similar to Kim, they just were, well, you're a douchebag. Like, why would you do that? Like, Kimmy's a nice girl. And, you know, they just didn't know how to support it. And that, and I didn't need that. So I decided to, well, there must be a men's group and there's nothing, there was nothing, nothing in my area for sure. And the only thing that I saw that was available was in British Columbia or, or in the U S and I decided that men need this help. And then wasn't, as I was doing that work, then Kim's dad passed away and he was really my closest best friend because he was here so much. And so when I got the call, cause he is down his dance partner, you know, his lady his friend he would go dancing with didn't hear from him for two days. And I went over to see him to see, check on him. Like he had had an accident in the bathroom and I never thought I'd see, you know, my father, father-in-law. my father-in-law, I should say, and my best friend in that type of condition. And again, I was just in the same spot. Well, who do I go talk to? You know, it's hard to explain the, my loss. I, that loss was just as devastating to me as it was losing my first wife. Because mm-hmm. we did everything together. Yeah, they did. I think, I think a part of the reason why I did stay for and wanted to work it out was for my dad because I knew my dad loved Alan like a son. Like they did everything together. They went away together. They, yeah. And I didn't want to take that away from Alan. So, and I think that's why one of the good reasons is why I stayed with Alan because I, the thought of hurting my dad, I couldn't do that. And I thought, well, I can work it out and see what happens. You guys still have so much to harvest from this. And, and, and it really does take a very long time. You know, just the, the, uh, the rebuilding of trust is only a small part of it. And that has to take a long time. It has to be like, is the sun coming up today? Yes. Okay. I'll look tomorrow. Is it still coming up today? Every day is the same, right? And then you can start to feel that, but that doesn't even begin to speak to the pain and the vulnerability and the betrayal and all the other stuff that you need to so much healing to happen before you can even get to that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you should listen to Jim and Vera's episode and it took that they're about 10 years past it now. And they, you know, the, the ultimate thing is he knows he would never do it. And that's why she, she finally could trust that not because he was behaving, but became, it, it became something that was not a part of his mm-hmm. integrity that he could ever do again. Mm-hmm. And, um, keep working at it. There's so much, such a gift in it. It's odd to say that, but when a relationship has a lot of, um, imbalance in it, sometimes that's a truthful thing is, Hey, we're not in a relationship anymore. So I'm over here, which is sad to say. And then you realize, wait a second, look at all I'm losing, you know? And it's, it's a tough, you're, you're right. You wouldn't wish it on anyone. It's a tough thing to go through, but I've seen people grow so far beyond it that they needed the wake up call to get there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think also for men, there are a lot of men out there that are alone, right? They don't have a network of other men that they can go to. They don't have good role models, you know, and they don't have that mentorship that it sounds like your father-in-law was able to do. You know, there's this this mentoring that, you know, boys used to have, they had used to have this mentor that they could look look up to. And, you know, this role modeling of what it means to be a good man in this world, mm-hmm. right? What it means to be a good husband, what it means to be a good father. And, and so when you stepped out of line, you know, you, you had people there that you had to be accountable to. You had other men that you had to be accountable to. And that doesn't exist anymore. And so that's, you know, that's really a great thing that you created, you know, the, the awakened man, because that it's, it's very much needed. Yeah. I just found that there's such a, you're absolutely right. Uh, right. I think the problem is, is that we just don't, as men, we don't have somewhere to go to. And when we go to our buddies, they don't know what they're, what they're doing. They're not, none of us are versed in that. We're not, uh, 
we don't have that piece of it. And so I think there's so much opportunity to, to help men. And the biggest challenge is, is that we, have, we have to be prepared to let go of our ego mm-hmm. and just be okay with being, you know, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, when I first started doing the work, it was just like, well, you know, you know, don't use words, vulnerability, and don't use this, you know, cause it's kind of <laughs> sticky. And I just thought, look, we're going to deal with our shit boys. Like we've got <laughs> stuff we bring into the table and we need to be real. And, uh, and yes, it means you're being vulnerable. Is that okay? Uh, because when we, when we try to cover it and package it or push it down, cause the, between the affair and, and Bob, Bob passing, like all that shadow stuff that I was suppressing, all of the, the, the need to be, to, to feel loved and trying to find it externally and, and, the and the arrogance behind, you know, I needed to be the best at this or the best at that, all that stuff started to come up because it didn't matter anymore. And am I willing to, you know, I kept asking myself, am I willing to face this every day? You know, can I be, I can't sit there and say I'm a man of integrity and then be the, and be the cheater in the relationship, like give your head a shake. So I need to rebuild who, who I am. And so part of that, we can manage being able to tell that story as well to say, you know, that it needs, it is our hero's journey. You know, it is that redemption piece that we need to, we'll go through some fires and, you know, can we, as you like to say, is forge a new, uh, mm-hmm. a new individual. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need more men in the world that are getting versed in some of this stuff to help people, especially guys find that space and not mm-hmm. be so lost. So last question, what is it that your partner does that, you know, they love you? Well, I can't wait to hear this answer. <laughs> My partner does everything for me. I am so spoiled. It's not even funny. Like, do I don't even, uh, he, he'll make me my coffee first thing in the morning. He'll start my car up, uh, which in Winnipeg, we need that done almost every day in the winter time, which you would know in Chicago. Um, he's always, always been willing to try anything that I want to try. And he golfs. He took up golf because of me. He never he hated the game. And I had always told him, I said, if you, I said to him, you're going to be in my life, you better learn how to golf because I plan on doing it when I'm retired. So, <laughs> so he took up the game, which I, and he's actually pretty good at it, but uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And for me, it's the, it's when, because Kim is so independent is when she remembers to do something for me, like pack my lunch or something that I'm just not expecting. Right. I'm not big on, on gifts, but doing those things like, Hey, you know, we started, uh, there's a food program up here where you, you buy the a box food and it comes in and there's six steps to make it. Well, now Kim can cook dinner and doesn't have to sit on for me. I can come home and it's, it's a 25 minute process and we have dinner. All my work is go get the wine. Uh, and it's so those little things that are unexpected that, uh, that I just go, okay, now I know she's thinking about me. So. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful guys. So Alan, where can people find out more about the awakened man? Yeah, absolutely. They can reach out at our, uh, at the website at www.theawakenedman.net. And, uh, the membership site is members. That's plural members.theawakenedman.net. Awesome. Awesome. And the podcast is on the website as well. Yeah. Podcasts on there, the Evolving Man podcast. So very cool. And they can hear a really awesome interview with me and Jean. <laughs> <laughs> Just got published this week. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> you know, sharing stories is a way that human beings have been bonding and healing and growing since the beginning of time. And we hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Well, thank you very much for having us on there. Uh, we were, I wasn't sure if I wanted to open up that bag because now if I do process and send this out to my friends, there are a lot of friends that still don't know what happened. So it's something I have to decide whether I want my friends to know the true story. So, yeah. but you know, in a sense, it might help other. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. It is really important. Absolutely. Well, Give we hope to, to see you guys again or talk to you. Soon. Absolutely. 
Kim and Alan, thank you so much for being on the show. And we want to wholeheartedly thank all of our listeners for joining us on Couple Synergy today. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any more questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as the Home Study Course Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who can benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.